From the Cervera Newsroom in sunny Miami, welcome to the Miami Real Estate Podcast, your home for expert insight on all things Miami real estate. I'm your host, Omar DeWin. Let's get started. Today, we're bringing you a Miami tech sector health check with our friend of the pod, amazing man, uh, none other than Jeff Ranzel, founder and CEO of Miami-based Fuel Venture Capital. Jeff, welcome back to the show. Always good to be here. I've been looking <laughs> forward to this, my friends. Good to see you again. Good to see you. It's been too long and uh, a lot has happened in, in the time which we're going to cover uh, today, but it's always good to get your insight, um, share with our listeners sort of how to read and navigate uh, the, the the blossoming Miami tech scene and, and what's happening in the world around it, how it impacts real estate. Yeah, perfect. Uh, so let's get into it. And just as, actually as a quick uh, refresher, longtime listeners of the pod are very familiar with Jeff. And for those of you that are are new, um, Jeff founded in 2017 and headquartered in Miami, Fuel VC, which now has, and congratulations, $700 million in assets under its management and boasts a portfolio of 33 tech startups based around the globe, including several Miami-based startups such as TaxFile, digital banking, fintech, Novo Payment, Microsports betting platform better and virtual reality studio AEX Lab. Okay, I think I got Labs. X Labs. There we go. So Jeff is really uh, at the forefront of the the new Miami tech scene and has always brought brought us uh, great insight. So the the top of the agenda, Jeff, is really um, letting our uh, listeners know, giving them context on what happened a couple months ago with the Silicon Valley bank collapse, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. That was that was big news. A lot of people worried about that. And so just to start it off, I wanted to ask you, how will that collapse of uh, SVB impact South Florida and its startup environment? Yeah, so so the, the interesting thing with that is that it's really not going to have an impact. Um you know, I've been asked this question a lot, both by, um, you know, a lot of different reporters and national television shows. But, um, you know, if you kind of go back to, to 2017, when I decided to leave the public markets and, 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 uh, and start Fuel Venture Capital, you know, and I, I remember saying this to you when, the first time we met, but everyone that knew me thought I'd lost my mind, right? If you're going to, if you're going to go into VC, you have to be in Silicon Valley, or you have to be in New York. And, and, you know, being down here for as long as I was uh, and being responsible for Latin America and the Caribbean, I knew that Miami, well, I didn't know, but I had a really strong feeling that Miami was going to become a very important um, component of the tech ecosystem. And, um, you know, all of that has, has, has kind of come into play. But with, with respect to Silicon Valley Bank, I think it's a great proof source of why I did what I did. You know, when, when I started doing my research and I was looking at individuals and institutions and fa global families that were in, investing into the creative um, markets, it was all really out of the West Coast of the United States. And it was like fund one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, all out of the valley. And what, it, what investors were doing is they thought, well, if I invested in, in fund one, you know, from one firm, and I invest in fund two from another firm, and fund three from another firm, I'm diversifying my portfolio. But the truth of the matter is, if you do an overlap analysis, there's about 25 to 30% of the companies in every single one of those funds because it's an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, the, 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 the institutions and in venture capital are there to support the portfolio companies in that market. And, you know, in Silicon Valley, there's a lot of 
portfolio companies in their backyard. In addition to that, what happened with Silicon Valley Bank was Silicon Valley Bank was a brilliantly executed business plan for a financial bank to focus on a niche that they felt was going to exponentially grow. And they decided we are going to be the bank for private equity and venture capital. And they planted their bank in the back seat of you know Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, and it was brilliant. Um, and and a lot of people don't know this, but Silicon Valley Bank is also one of the largest venture capital investors. So they know the business. They know, you know, I can walk into Silicon Valley Bank. I can tell them what I need. They know what I need because they're in that business. If I walk into J.P. Morgan, you know, sometimes they look at me like I have five heads because it's not. I'm not a traditional investor. I'm not a traditional customer. So when Silicon Valley Bank went down, every our thesis was completely proof sourced. We had four companies out of 34 that had exposure to Silicon Valley Bank, and only one of them actually had an issue, which we cured within 10 hours. Um, we as a firm had more problems than our portfolio companies because we bank at Silicon Valley Bank, again, because they understand our needs, and it's just much easier to work with people that know your language. Um, but from the, for the, the purpose of Miami, the purpose of individuals who are investing, individuals, institutions, families that are investing in us, they didn't have exposure to it. Now, conversely, go back to those, you know, fund one, two, three, four, all the way through 10. And if you were invested in funds in Silicon Valley, where we had four companies that were exposed, those firms had 90 to 100% of their portfolios exposed. Well, had the government not stepped in, the truth of the matter is an entire asset class would have been flushed down the toilet, which is why I knew something was going to happen. There was just no way that uh, there wasn't going to be support there because a lot of people would have been hurt. Right, right. And and thank God they did. So what? So I guess you're, you're hitting on the importance of diversification, right? And so um, tell me about how it's essentially, and I think you tell me if you answered this question already, but then the difference between being in Miami versus Silicon Valley is the SVB bank was, is funding primarily the companies there, but being here in Miami are, uh, they're sort of sheltered, if you will, from well, that. Well, it's not, not necessarily that, but, but like you, you, you listed off some names there, right? So I know factually that tax file does not bank, uh, their daily needs in uh -huh. Silicon Valley. They bank here locally with bank of America. Sure. Right. Um, you know, Better does not bank at Silicon Valley Bank. Mm -hmm. It it banks with J.P. Morgan here in in Miami, right? So if 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 you're a Miami portfolio company, you probably want to have your bank and the the bank relationship with somebody that's right here locally, and that's 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 exactly what happened. There's no reason right. for you to have a bank relationship on the other side of sure. the United States, right? Right. And so for for you for for fuel venture capital, then so. Um, you started, you've bank, been banking with them for how long? We've been banking with Silicon Valley Bank since day one. So, you know, 2000, February, 2017. Okay. And then how is that impacted now? Are you still banking with them or? Yeah, we, well, we, we, uh, we do still bank there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a very loyal person and number one and number two, it's just an incredible bank. Yeah. I mean, it truly is, um, you know, I come from banking. It, it is absolutely uh, brilliantly structured to serve people like myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no, it's nothing is cumbersome. <clears throat> I don't have to talk to a human being if I don't want to. 
everything is put on my iPhone or my iPad or my desktop. That's how I want to operate. I don't want to, I don't want to be bogged down by human beings and um, having to make phone calls and I can do everything myself within seconds. Uh, It's, it's incredible. Um, But it was also a shot across the bow that we needed to, you know, take our cash reserves and move them around. And and we have done that. We have a great relationship now with, uh, Stiefel Nicholas, uh, okay. which is a, a, you know, actually it's the oldest Wall Street firm on on Wall Street, 140 year old firm, longest running CEO, guy by the name of uh, Ron Krajewski, great great guy, spends a lot of time in Miami, um, and you know I made one phone call to him and he had new bank accounts opened up for us within 24 hours. Wow. Yeah. And Great. did the same thing for a lot of our portfolio companies. And so speaking of your portfolio companies then, and um, I guess other uh, startups in general, how are you advising them in the wake of, of what happened with, with SVB? With respect to our portfolio companies, you know, as I said, there really isn't anything different for them. Yeah. Um, you know, again, we had four, four companies that had uh, loan facilities with them which we are already in the process of, of potentially replacing. But remember, Silicon Valley Bank was, was purchased. Um, and the, the new company or the new bank that's coming in, uh, it doesn't appear that they want to be very disruptive to the current um, mm-hmm. business plan. Because again, it was, it was really a, a, a special and well-executed business plan. Silicon Valley Bank did not go down because it had a, a, a faulty business plan. Silicon Valley Bank went down simply because it went long on the yield curve and, and made poor bets. Uh, and those were human being, you know, human, human mistakes. Sure. Um, based on some individuals that sat on their fixed income desk and just placed bets in the wrong way. And it ended up hurting them. And then, you know, we live in a world now where information is, is you know, can move across the planet very quickly. And uh, there was a, a venture capital firm out of Silicon Valley that sent an email to its LPs. Uh, they were doing a capital call. And that firm said, hey, don't send your money to Silicon Valley Bank. And that went viral. And by Thursday night, they were losing a million dollars an hour. And the Fed, rightfully so, decided, hey, if we don't come in and take over, there might not be anything to take over by the end of Friday afternoon. Wow. And that's what actually took place. It really didn't have anything to do with the fundamentals of the bank, which is why I didn't, you know, I personally didn't move my firm's money. Now, on Thursday night, at the end of the day, I realized what was happening. By the time I got to my, my, my condo, uh, my ability to access the bank's information and my, my capital from, from my management company, not, not my investor's money, but my personal money, my management company's money, I was unable to, to, uh, to access it anymore. Wow. Yeah. So that, that must have been scary. That, it, listen, I've been doing this for 30 years. Uh, that was the longest weekend, I think, of my, of my career. Because all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're, you're not sure how to make payroll the coming week. You don't, well, it, and, and it wasn't just my, my firm's money, it was my personal money. So the truth of the matter is, is that weekend I was operating off of my credit card of which I had no means to pay off at the end of the month. Wow. I mean, I literally would have been living in the streets had, had someone not come in. I, and that I, is no joke. That's crazy. So, and that, that was, so it started on Thursday. It started on Wednesday. It started on a Wednesday. Yeah. By Thursday, you couldn't access the account. It was over. Wow, man. And then when, by when did the government finally step in? Monday. 
That Monday. Okay, so yeah. that <laughs> yeah, that must have been yeah. a big relief then. Yeah. Now remember, I've been in this game for thirty years. I have a lot of friends. There happens to be a lot of uh, former Merrill Lynch people at Silicon Valley Bank. So I knew by Sunday that things were going to be okay. Sure. Sure. I didn't tell anybody that, but right. I slept a little bit better Sunday night. <laughs> Man. Um, yeah, that'll, that'll really wake you up, right? Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So then, and now, thankfully, the government stepped in. Um, as we said, the, as you said, the, the Miami ecosystem seems, the tech ecosystem seems to be insulated for the most part. What about recently I heard the rumblings, was it First Republic Bank or there was another bank that was shaky? Yeah, yeah it's another great bank, though. Um, uh, First Republic was actually owned by Merrill Lynch back in the early 2000s. Um, uh, a guy by the name of Matt Gardner actually did that 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 trade. Um, and then when the financial crisis hit, uh, we we had sold that, those assets off. But that's a great bank. And again, uh, I th I think more socially fed than fundamentally that that you know that bank has had its its issues as well. Um, and and I really can't get into the First Republic. I don't know that okay, much sure, about their. Sure. Uh, I don't bank there. I I have no. I've never looked at their financials. I have really no. Yeah. No. Yeah, and I know that was a, a curveball. But um, I guess big picture, what I'm trying to get at is what are you, what's your read um then on sort of the landscape, if you will, of what ha what happened with SVB and moving forward. Like how I guess how confident are you, uh, in the general state of, of banking, what's happening like in the economy, I guess, if, if you will. Yeah. So, you know, you, I, I think what's going to ultimately end up happening is the, the big banks like your bank of America, your, your, your JP Morgan, especially, um, you know, will, will just get even more, more powerful and even bigger. Right. Those, those guys um, are held to much higher scrutiny than, than you know your 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 middle you know size banks, and I think that that's going to change. I think it'll be more regulatory uh, scrutiny on on the smaller banks, but the big banks um, have to deal with a, a tremendous amount of of regulatory uh, oversight. And I I I I get concerned that that um, that that will slow things down. Um, you know, you in in my humble opinion. You, you don't want to put handcuffs and bumpers and rails on a Jamie Dimon. He's smart enough to manage the risk of his bank. And if you put too many bumpers and, and, and handcuffs and rails in, in his way, he's, he's not going to be able to do his job, right? It's like, it's like recruiting LeBron James back to the Miami Heat and then telling, he, telling him that he can only make five shots a game or he's only allowed to shoot threes or he's only allowed to do layups. Mm -hmm. I mean, what the hell do you have him for? Right? And and I think that that unfortunately when we when we see things like like the Silicon Valley Bank, the first reaction is let's make you know, governmental oversight. And that's not good for the 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 end consumer. And 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 anyone who thinks it is needs to, you know, take a step back and spend some time doing some case studies. It's not in our best interest. Uh, I lived in that world for 20 years, and and the more difficult it is for those banks to to do the to do what they think they need to do for the best interest of their shareholders, and their customers, and their their clients, uh, it's it's just not in the best interest. So I think what's ultimately going to end up happening is the end consumer, in in uh, with with a fear factor, 
perhaps will leave the, the First Republic, which is what you're seeing, mm -hmm. and they'll move to the JP Morgans of the world. And again, is that, in, is that you know, like for a guy like me, um, I, don't, I don't really want to work with my daily banking at a really large institution. It's mm -hmm. cumbersome. Uh, I'm a venture capitalist, for God's sakes. I, I, I want to operate in a, in a digital world. I, I want to be able to make, uh, I, want, I want to be able to make a wire in 15 seconds. Yeah. And I can do that at Silicon Valley Bank. Um, no discredit to, I won't, I won't mention the bank, but you know, there are banks that I have, I have been a, I have been a customer of in the past where, you know, it, it might take you an hour to get a wire done. Mm -hmm. And in 2023, to me, that's just unacceptable. Yeah. You know, so all these things are not in the, in, in the greatest interest of you and I. Sure. And that stuff, you know, always bothers me. Right, right. No, it makes sense. Um, so speaking of the consumer and bringing it back to, to real estate, Jeff, what then would you say to our audience, primarily realtors, that they may, their consumers, their buyers uh, might be looking at what happened with SVB, hearing headlines, how First Republic, maybe they get worried in thoughts of, oh, what happened in, in 2008 or, you know, the financial crisis. Um, do given your your banking background and your finger on the pulse in tech what uh what should our associates uh, or any associates uh, listening uh say to consumers that are sort of wary about the general state of, of banking yeah i i would say there's a lot to be worried about that's just really not one of them <laughs> um you know don't, you, you mentioned the financial crisis and, and i was at the table of the of, of that whole horrible period you know the united states government you know lehman brothers went down uh when, when those things happen, the, the U.S. government kind of built their playbook. Those things, I don't think, my humble opinion, are going to, to happen again. We just proof source that. Silicon Valley Bank, uh, First Republic, you know, n nobody got hurt. The, one of the greatest things about living in the United States is we live in the United States, and we have an incredible government, and um, when, when there's disaster... The, the government steps up, right? Think about COVID. I mm -hmm. mean, we, we, we took $5 trillion and, and put it in the pockets of, of our, um, you know, of, of, of the people who live inside of the United States to make sure that they could pay their bills and, and do what they needed to do because we asked them to go inside their caves for, for a year, mm -hmm. right? Um, and no different. Silicon Valley Bank went down, uh, locked up on Thursday night, was closed down on Friday by Monday morning. Uh, everybody was was back in, in business. Yeah. That's the beauty of where we live. So I just think that there's a there's a hell of a lot more things to be concerned about than um, than the state of our banking uh, situation. I mean, I'd be more worried about OpenAI, uh, and I am more concerned about things like that than I am our banking. And and by the way, I still am at Silicon Valley Bank. It's the safest bank in the United States right now. I mean, the president of the United States said sure. your deposits are safe. I, there's there's not a bank in the United States that, that that the government of the United States has put a stamp on it and said, hey, you're okay. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Jeff Ranzo here on the Miami Real Estate Podcast. He's founder of the Miami-based Fuel Venture Capital, which, as I mentioned at the top, has $700 million in assets under its management today. So, Jeff, let's talk about um, Miami Tech some more. So, I mentioned when you got here, It's I mean, it's always great to see you. I mentioned when you got here, you're like my crystal ball, because in our last podcast, we were talking about how is this recent wave of Miami Tech going to impact um 
prices here and and you accurately said you know you're gonna see sort of um a mirror of what happened in silicon valley after their migration in terms of pricing doubling i think it was over the course of 10 years but here maybe it happened even faster yeah and fast forward to where we are today i mean we saw a 12 percent price increase uh in in property values here year over year uh one of the best if not the the highest i should say not best highest in the country um but so what bring me back to what's happening on the ground in miami tech and what have you seen since then yeah well i, I think that miami tech is 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 uh building a, a really nice foundation uh you know we have a lot of people who are who are coming here and building companies at, you know at the, at the start of the show you know you mentioned tax file you know uh, tax file the two founders are um you know children of, of cuban Im immigrants uh decided to, to build a company in miami you know they actually went to silicon valley and they they realized why in the hell do we want to live in a in a in a closet and spend twelve thousand dollars a month let's just go back home where you know where, where our families are and we'll build out a company and, and they did so and by the way uh, just for anyone who who is listening, TaxFile is an incredible yep. Miami-based uh, tech company, which is going to be um, one of those I would say pride and joys, mm -hmm. and really establish Miami as as a as a true tech ecosystem. I mean, started out of an idea, uh, and is now a, a legitimate legitimate company that is being looked at by some really really big companies for massive amounts of, of, of money. I mean, I don't want to get into it, but we're talking seven figure, you know, valuations, uh, great, great, amazing what they've done better. Also, um, you know, Joey Levy, uh, from Miami, uh, left, went to New York, came back to start better, you know, better is, uh, the third most popular sports media platform in the United States and the largest, you know, uh, micro betting platform in the United States. And I, I think that better, you know, in the next three, four years is a five, six, seven, eight billion dollar company. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, it's going to be our version of, of Uber. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you mentioned Axe Labs, uh, Jonathan. Jonathan, again, you know, f born, raised in Miami, never left. Uh, Jonathan has the largest multiplayer shooter game, VR game in the world right out of, out of Miami. So there's a lot of really good, and those are just companies and, and founders that, that, you know, I have biased toward cause I, I have investments in and, and sure. have close relationships with, but there's a lot of other ones, you know, um, you mentioned Novo payment. I mean, Annabelle, uh, female founder, former, you know, banker, incredible, incredible leader, incredible founder doing building an incredible business, which really a lot of big brand, you know, banks, are leaning in on because banks need to digitize. They need to be relevant from a technology perspective. And Annabelle gives them the ability to white label technology and not have to figure out how to do it all. She just gives it to them. Great companies, great founders. We're doing some amazing things. And I think that's drawing other founders to Miami. And again, if you have the support, why in the hell would you want to live anywhere else other than Miami? And I think that that's what's happening right now. Now with that, then what ends up happening is you see in your world, you know, real estate prices have done what they've done. And, and I think all of us who are Miami's, right. I'm going to, I'm a little, I've been here for 22 years. So yeah, I, I feel Miami. like I'm a, I'm yeah. a Miami, you know, I've lived here longer than I've lived anywhere and I will never live anywhere else. Right. I think it's the greatest city in the world. I've said that many times to you, but you know, we have this, this, uh, we've built this thing up. Yeah. Um, it's come our way. But we now, 
have to do the things to to support it, right? There's a, there's an old saying, you water the plants that you want to grow and you starve the plants that you don't mind if they die. So we as as a, as a a community, as a city have to determine, do we do we really like this tech thing? Mm-hmm. Do we think it's good for everyone? Uh not just the real estate, you know, sector, right. but everybody else. And if we do, then I think we have to come together as leaders and figure out how we're going to water it because it's not going to continue to grow just because um, we want it to. You have to feed these things, right? And what does that mean? That means, you know, prices are higher. You just said 12%. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you're a founder, you, you know, you're a tech founder, yep. your company uh, on a large scale is not profitable yet, right? Might be striking distance but you're probably not profitable at the moment. So that means that in order for you to continue to grow that business and build that business, you need capital. And that capital has to come from investors, right? So if, if that investment uh, resource dries up and doesn't make its way to the founders, then the founders are going to ultimately have to leave and go find the water. Because mm-hmm. they they're not going to stay here and, and watch their dreams you know disappear. Right. Um, you know, m- my team and and I have have deployed over a hundred million dollars in South Florida companies. That's a pretty big number. I don't know what else other people are doing. I don't know what the numbers are, but in my humble opinion, uh, it's not enough to keep the ecosystem thriving. Well, let's talk about that because I think, you know, in terms of plants that we want to see grow and thrive, Miami Tech is definitely one of them. Um, what helped me understand what, you know, can be done? How can we help, let's say, either at the government or at the private level? What is like an ideal situation that um, you would like to see in a thriving ecosystem? Let's start with the, with the at the government level. Well, I, I, listen, I, I mean, if, if first of all nobody's asking me this question, so I appreciate you asking me the question because um, I obviously have a invested interest in it, and I want to see the city do well, and I want my my vertical of technology to do very well. Um, if it were me, uh, I would bring I would I would identify who are the leaders of of this vertical technology in in the city, mm-hmm. and I would bring I would create a board, I would create an advisory board, right. Every company has an advisory board to get guidance and opinions and, and how do we get better and, hey, we have this issue, how do we fix it? So I would bring together leaders um, that, that represent the tech ecosystem in Miami, men, women, um, people who are, who are you know, late stage investors, early stage investors, crypto investors, and bring them together and create an advisory board. That's what I would do. And, and in, in that advisory board, you would also have people who can make decisions inside of the government. Because I think, you know, if this is a competitive world and competition is good for business. Mm-hmm. But if you, again, if you are uh, Austin, Texas, or if you're Brooklyn, New York, you, you know, those, in, those, those communities are coming together and saying, hey, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Founder, you know, if, if, if you're looking for an office, we'll give you rent, rent subsidies, we'll give you tax breaks. We will recruit you like you are an NBA player because we want you to play on our team. Wow. Now, Miami has gotten away with not having to do those things yet. But I think we're going to, you know, and, and, and frankly, just, just to be very transparent, we've lost a couple of 
my portfolio companies that are offshore and are, are expanding to, the, to uh, North America, we've lost two portfolio companies that are mine, that I control. And my founders are like, Jeff, love to live in, in, in Miami, would love to have an office you know, next to yours, but hey, we're getting this and we're getting that. Right. So we, we, you know, you, you're, you're an investor in our company, you sit on our board, we have to make good business decisions. And so they've, they've gone to Brooklyn. You know, or they've gone to Austin, right? And and so I think you know we have. I would love to see us start to think about well, what are we going to do uh, as a city, both private and and um, and you know as, as a municipality to support the ecosystem and to to support these founders. I think it would go a long ways. Absolutely. So I guess um, as. As listeners, um, it's a matter of 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 what what can they do? They can write their local commissioners. They can um, advocate, uh, you know, in in support of these initiatives. Or what 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 are some of the things like grassroots that that people can do? No, I don't know. I mean, maybe grassroots is the private sector comes together. Like you, you guys are 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 extremely uh, relative and, and important to the real estate you know sector. Maybe we all. Maybe we all come together and have a lunch one day and, mm-hmm. and just say, hey, what, what are the things that we think as, as the private sector that we might be able to do? Um, you know, one of the other things that, that we really need to, to focus on, and, and this is going to seem a little self-serving, so I have, to be, I have to be careful, but I hope everybody who's listening takes it with the right intent. Technology is, 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 uh, is a disruptive vertical. Uh, and as I said before, these are companies that 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 genuinely, you know, for the first you know five six years are not are not profitable. You know, we as a firm work very hard on operational excellence. Profitability is something that we pride ourselves on, but it doesn't happen overnight. You know, you have to build these platforms, these tech platforms. Uh, there's a lot that goes into to to this this process. Um, you know, and you said it the you said it a few times. Seven hundred million dollar fund. And that sounds super impressive, but the majority of that capital uh, is not coming from Miami. Hmm. It's coming from Latin America. It's coming from Europe. It's coming from the Nordics. It's coming from the Middle East. It's coming from Kansas City, Kansas. It's, I mean, it's coming from all over the place, but it's not coming in really from Miami. And I know that there's a lot of wealth here. I know that there's a lot of people who see what's going on in technology. And listen, this is what I do for a living is I bring individuals, institutions, and global families to VIP tables that are extremely difficult to get invited to. The fact of the matter is, is the public markets have been shrinking for years. The bulk of of wealth creation is now in the private sector. Companies Mm -hmm. are staying private much longer than they ever were before, on average 10 years. Uh, And they're, they're eventually going public at valuations significantly higher than than ever before. You, you know, up until 2022, you were talking, you know, in the billion dollar range. You know, if you compare that to Amazon, which went public in 1997 for 300 million dollars, and it had been private for three years. Now, just think about the wealth that has been created in the public market from Amazon. But you're not going to see that anymore. So, you know, there are a lot of people that that are in Miami who would love to have access to. Uh, the creative economy, and trust me, you don't want to, you don't want to try to do it on your own. I, I, you know, I mean, I, I ran a two and a half billion dollar P and L for Merrill Lynch with five thousand employees. This is, this is ten x more difficult than anything I ever did before. 
You know, we're talking 120 hours every damn week. I have no life anymore. <laughs> but we, 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 we uh, serve clients who want to have access. And we have to start getting the community involved in supporting these companies. Uh, and that's ultimately, you know, you brought up, you brought up Silicon Valley earlier that, that I had mentioned to you that if, if I see what, if I understand what took place in Silicon Valley, then I should be able to predict what's going to happen in Miami. It wasn't like I, I, I have this special uh, vision. Mm-hmm. I just understand data and, and you know, to, under, to predict the future, you have to understand the past. So it was not that difficult for me to say that this is what should happen. And that's exactly what happened. Sure. But then again, with that same underlying foundation of understanding and thought, well, then what, what ultimately keeps that ecosystem on the West Coast alive? Well, it's, it is truly an ecosystem. You have a tremendous amount of investors that are, are investing in firms like mine, and then those dollars are deployed into founders and companies that are deserving of those investors' you know, capital. Those institutions are then curating those companies to make sure that that capital has a big return for those investors. Those revest- investors are paid out in multiples, not percentages, and then it just keeps going to the top of the funnel. Right. And so if, if we want to make this a sustainable ecosystem, we have to start making sure that we follow that, 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 that playbook of success that's already been, it's, the case study's there, but we don't have that right now. And, and I'm going to point inward. You know, I, I think about it every single day. What do I have to start doing differently to provide the education to people in Miami to let them know how can you be a part of this? Mm-hmm. You know, we're here. We've, we, we were the first ones to be here. We are a legitimate firm. We've been serving other people, you know, uh, investments for over 30 years is, is all I know how to do. Um, so how do we, you know, do I don't I'm 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 holding myself accountable to just try to figure out how to how to help that solve solve that equation as, as well, because I think, you know, everything we do is is. Is from a leadership perspective, and uh, I take I take pride in that. You know, I had a um, I had a reporter ask me that question uh, on a I don't remember which which uh, news outlet it was, but uh, she asked me, well, why didn't you move your money out sooner, and why haven't you moved your money out since? And it was because I I don't think it's the right thing to do. I want to be a leader, not I don't want to be I want to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. I don't think this is fundamental to the underlying company of Silicon Valley Bank. I think it was a run on the bank based off of the world we live in right now. Right. And and so if if I'm a leader and people trust in me and I say, you don't need to be worried about this, and not only am I saying it, but I'm doing it, right? It's not always what you say, it's what you do. I hear what you say and I'll see what you do. I've always tried to live my life like that. Right. So, um, you know, I guess to be a hell of a lot more concise, we have an incredible opportunity here in Miami. I think it's only going to get better. But I think we've also reached a point in our maturity where we have to come together and, and feed this baby if we really want to turn it into something really special. And if we don't, then we all have to look ourselves in the mirror and say we played a part of it going down. And it will go down. So it's really up to us. And, and I guess for everybody that's listening to this, this podcast today, you know, I'll do my part. I promise you, you will not outwork me. But... <laughs> You know, we do need to figure out who are those individuals who can come to a table 
and start thinking this stuff through. And if we do it, I think we're all going to be, the the end game will be unbelievable for us because 99% of the population has absolutely no clue what is about to happen in the next 14 to 18 months with respect to how fast the world that we interact with is going to change. So do you want to give us a preview of that? I know you're concerned about AI or, or what, tell me yeah, about that. Well, it's not that, it's not, well, there, there are concern, I guess, concerns. Um, listen, you know, AI is very powerful. I don't want to get into all the, 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 the Just the top line. Yeah, top yeah. Line I, I can go really That's deep and I don't want to do that because I'll confuse everybody. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, artificial intelligence is, is, is truly like, like me talking to you right now but you're you're inside of a human being. You have emotions. You have you have biases. Uh, you have routines. You ha- you know. Th- but if I if I take your your mind, your intelligence, both both intellect and emotional, and I put it into a computer, and I start asking it questions, and it has the ability to think like you think, mm. without emotion, without bias, within seconds. And then execute the answer. That that is very powerful stuff. Right. Very powerful stuff. And you know, up until six weeks ago, you know, AI was was really kind of controlled in a very responsible way. You know, the people who who had that technology didn't necessarily want to unleash it. Right. You think about Google. What people don't understand is if I go to Google and I say, um, how do I make the best uh, gin and tonic. This is an example. Mm-hmm. Google will push me to a number of different sites that talk about the perfect gin and tonic. With AI, if I ask how to make the perfect gin and tonic, it within seconds will tell me exactly how to make the perfect gin and tonic. And statistically and mathematically speaking, from a scan of the entire world, it is the perfect gin and tonic. <laughs> so now you start to think about that and you start to think about, okay, well, you know, uh, the United States has a problem with uh, mass shootings on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. That's because there's human beings that are involved. Maybe, you know, we, we, we have some mental health issues in the United States. Well, now all of a sudden, you know, those same individuals have the ability uh, to access things that they've never been able to access before. And those types of things kind of, you know, make me concerned. Um, and it also concerns me around, you know, certain, you know, jobs that, that could easily be replaced um, by a computer. And so th- there's just a lot of, there's a lot of things right now yeah. that are happening. And I'm not sure exactly how they're all ultimately going to end up, but I spend a lot of time in the wee hours of the morning, um, trying to make sure that I at least have an understanding of what what it all means. Sure. Well, we're going to leave the AI conversation for the next pod because yep. I know that's another can of worms, and and uh, we've got to land this jumbo jet. Your publicist is telling me we've got to get you to the next meeting. Yeah. So to 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 round this up, to land that plane, um, in terms of what can we do? So at the private sector, private level, I think it's supporting funds and founders like yourselves. Our, our, our audience's customers want to know how can they take advantage of this Miami tech scene that they're reading all about. I think it's by taking them to tables such as yourselves to learn more about 
companies and opportunities that that uh, these investors can get involved in. I think at the government level, if I heard correctly, we want to look at different incentives and getting a board together, getting sort of a think tank, right, to um, take this opportunity and the prospect of Miami Tech from where it is now as a as a as a bud, let's say, and really fully blossom as a full plant, if that's if yeah. that's a sort of yeah. uh, appropriate recap. Um, and I think, Jeff, in terms of Silicon Valley Bank, I mean, you've you've sort of cleared it up for me. I think listeners can feel confident that what's happening there and in general um, is not anything necessarily that we need to be worried about at the real estate level, especially here in Miami, right? My humble opinion, yes. So um, wrap up, take us out here with final thoughts uh, for the year. What are you most excited about? What do you want our listeners to keep with them? Yeah, I mean, I think if you live in Miami, Miami continues to uh, uh, to blossom. Uh, you know, there's good and bad to that. It takes you more time to get from point A to point B anymore. You know, you might not get your your favorite reservation at your favorite restaurant because there's so many people. Um, but all those things are good. Um, I think that from from a macro perspective, I think we're going to start to see, uh, you know, the Fed start to, to ease on interest rates, might even start seeing at the end of the year, early next year, interest rates start to, 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 uh, uh, to be lowered. Um, you know, it, I think it's been a really difficult 18 months, at least it has been for me. I think that there's a lot of investors who are who are uh, afraid, right? Maybe afraid's not maybe the greatest word to use, but cautious. And what I would say to you to all of those individuals is, um, now is the actual best time to be investing in anything, right? You, you, the the psychology of investors is fascinating. We tend to only want to go swimming in the streets when everybody else is out there and valuations are at their highest. And, you know, you're paying, you know, you're really not in control. Right now, at least in the private sector, especially in technology, the power has shifted. And the investor really is able to do things that I've never been able, I've not seen in 30 years. And I don't think I'll ever see again in my investing lifetime. Now, you know, you're, you're younger than me, maybe you will, but I, I don't think I will. And these are incredible times to be investing. You have to have faith. Whenever there's, there's, there's a, a trough, you always end up having another peak. It's the way it's always been. It's the way it always will be. And if, if it's not, well, then we all, we all have some things that we have to be very concerned about. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think uh, we live in a great country. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of things to be positive about. Things have been challenging in the last 18 years because the 14 years before that, it's just been a hell of a party, right? right. And every party has to you know, have, you know, you're going to have a hangover for at least a day. <laughs> We've had a hangover for 18 months, but I think that things are going to start getting really super exciting again. And um, the opportunities in technology, the things that are going to be happening to all of us and our life, it, this is the single greatest time to be alive in, in, in the human life, lifespan, period, into discussion. These are fascinating fascinating times. And my only advice to anybody who's listening to this is to force yourself to remain relevant. You have to stay on top of what's going on from a technology perspective. If not, you will get left behind and it will be really hard to get caught up. I love it. I like it. We're going to leave it there. Ladies and gentlemen, this was Jeff Ranzel, founder of Miami-based Fuel Venture Capital, Fuel VC. Look him up online, get in touch with Jeff and support the Miami tech scene. So we'll be back next week with another episode. It will actually be an economic insights report with Dr. Marcy Russell. 
until then, make sure to follow Miami Real Estate Podcast on social, like and subscribe this episode, share it with your friends, and remember that here in Miami, the future is always bright. Take care, folks. Thank you, Jeff.